Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Dimir Jones, physical therapist, CrossFit coach, and CrossFit athlete. Dimir has a lot of great information to share when it comes to training volume, purpose of programming, and scaling and modifying workouts. Whether you are an athlete, a coach, or a clinician, I think you'll find a lot of value with the information Dimir shares. So let's tune in. Damir, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. You are quite welcome. I am super excited to get on here um, because I know you are super passionate about talking about training volumes, purpose of programming, and it's something that's not my forte. It's something that you are amazing at, so I'm super excited to talk to you and just kind of figure out or find out why this is all important. Well, I know why this is so important, but how to exactly come go about all this and also share with the listeners why this is important because a lot of them don't understand um, what's going on with this. So um, just kind of want to get into first, um, like, why are you so passionate about programming Cause, or about the purpose of programming? Because not many people are. It's, it's not something we see a lot of information about. So how did you get so passionate about it? Yeah, so uh, I wouldn't say that I'm that good at it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm okay at it, uh, for sure, programming-wise. But as far as looking at the content and actually making it important, the number one thing that I would uh, constantly go back to it in my head and then when I speak to other clinicians and then the athletes is, you know, knowing your why, right? Um, knowing exactly your intent or why you're training. And the reason why I got so passionate about it is that I realized I was standing in front of 15 to 20 people explaining a workout. And then they had five different reasons of why they were doing it, right? It was, you know, I want to get stronger. I want to get better. I want to know how to just do this movement. So actually bringing down the intent of the workout in the sport that we actually love to do, which is CrossFit, talk about intensity, talk about, you know, scaling, talk about modifying, and really letting that be at the forefront of exactly how or why we're doing what we're doing. So I really got into it just by the, from the coaching aspect. And then on the clinical aspect, it just completely opened up and changed exactly the way I practice. Um, you know, not only, you know, with treating CrossFit athletes and my concern about making the changes for that day or for that moment, but also looking at their four to six week worth of, of training volume prior to and also after can really tell us a lot about what they're doing, how they may have gotten injured if it's an acute injury, how they may have, you know, had a chronic injury that started, you know, on their first cycle or on their barbell cycle that just perpetually stayed that way. So, you know, from a clinical aspect, it, it really opened up things and being able to break that down and say, hmm, no wonder why you're having this issue. And then from a coach's standpoint, being able to look at it and say, hey, this is why we're doing this. And this is a illicit training goal. So if we are scaling or modifying, we're actually at a standpoint to where we can do that just by looking at the training of what goal in the training volume. Awesome. Yes. So, so when we're looking at pro, like, where do you see the fault lies? If I don't know if fault's the word to use, but mm-hmm. like, or the onus lies on is it the athlete. Is it on the coach? Is it on the whoever's programming for that box? Like, is it a combination of everyone? Like who is actually responsible for a lot of these issues? Yeah. So I, I, so I would say all three, um, maybe 33% if we can't dole it out. But as far as, you know, being, you know, like number one thing is that, you know, from a programmer standpoint, it has to be again, what the intent of the, the cycle or what the intent of the workout is. 
you know, again, in our sport, CrossFit, you know, you know, earlier on, and I wasn't even in the game, but just kind of knowing the history, it was about how can I, you know, create the hardest wad that I can in order to crush these athletes day in and day out. Then the athletes pushed back and said, you know what, I'm going to you know, try as hard as I can every single day. And then the coaches said, I'm going to scream and yell and, and shout as hard as I can for as long as I can until all of it just collided. And then, you know, you have the CrossFit fail, fail videos or people potentially hurting themselves or those athletes that we really lost in the beginning, um, you know, are still kind of dealing with those issues now. So from, from like that standpoint, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, it's all three. Now, you know, from a standpoint of things, I want to say it falls a little bit more on the programmer, right? I don't know if the athletes have gotten smarter. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to say that we have, but I don't think that we have. Uh, the coaches, yes, again, uh, I think CrossFit Level 1, I think any kind of certification that you have, uh, it all lends itself to the methodology. So I think the methodology is clear. So that has kind of uh, streamlined itself. And now from a programmer standpoint, I would say the onus probably 50 to 60% on them because, again, you know, we have to talk about the intent of the workout. We have to talk about, you know, we have to look at four to six weeks prior to four to six weeks afterwards. You know, what kind of athletes do we have? Are we dealing with game level athletes? Or are we dealing with community based athletes? So as far as, you know, who fought it is now, you know, more or less the programmers. Then we talked about the coaches who was the conduit to that, uh, to the actual information being spilled. And then maybe somewhere between 10 to 20 percent is on the athlete if they don't understand what the intent is. Um, or it hasn't been explained to them, then maybe we can kind of bump that up a little bit to probably about 25 to 30% just to kind of throw away numbers, but it's all subjective. So what does programming look like to you as a very general sense? Obviously, we've already talked about not wanting to go full out 100% or 120% each and every time we train. So um, what does this look like to you both as from all aspects, the coach aspect, the clinician aspect, and the athlete aspect. Yeah, so as an athlete, uh, Anthony has barbell in it all the time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, you know, from an athletic standpoint, and I really like to talk about it from all three standpoints, really, because, you know, at this point, it's, it's so blended in my head. I'm looking at it from all three angles. If I was to do this, if I was to tell somebody how to do this, and then if I was to see someone who just came from doing this, what would that look like? So, I think uh, the number one thing that has been constantly been out there, and it doesn't even matter what the sport is, right? I think something that has a combination of, you know, some kind of cardiovascular component, maybe a Metcon or a long run or a jog or some kind of recovery type of road bike or whatever that have multiple different apparatuses. So that's run, bike, row, ski, erg for our sport. Um, you know, maybe for a power lifter, that's something like maybe doing a jog or if they have rowing available to it. And then for someone that is, you know, obviously in a cardiovascular related sport, Ironman, Spartan Race, Marathon Runners, um, we shift to the other side where now it is include resistance training, right? You know, some type of barbell activity, some type of single leg activity, some type of activity that requires them to move in a Z plane. Cause we're awesome. You know, you know, frontal plane, sagittal plane, but you have any of us step off the side or you check our glutes and stuff on the outside, it's like, ooh, oh boy, it starts lights up, or like we press down on it, it's like, oh boy, it's kind of weak. So anything that kind of includes that. Um, you know, I'll jump into the CrossFit aspect. You know, obviously something that constantly varies. Um, who wants to come to the gym and do the same thing over and over again? And maybe it doesn't look quite as like CrossFit does, where it's a different wad every single day. But, you know, if you're doing snatch practice, you know, one day you could do clean practice the next day. You could do, you know, negatives. You could do so on and so forth. You could do so much stuff with the barbell. From a running aspect of it, I understand. I, I, I look, you are a runner. 
I am not <laughs> understanding, but you know, going out there and doing the same five miles every day can get a little bit boring. So I think you know, switching up and having interval training or tempo to work or whatever the case may be really lends itself to to being successful. And then you know, uh, you know, lastly, when as far as when it comes to actual, um, uh, again, you know, touching on the intent. But really, whenever we look at the overall programming, is it looking or is it similar to what we're trying to do, right? Last thing you want to do is take a barbell athlete, have them run all the time. Last thing you would do with a cardiovascular or endurance athlete is have them lift weights all the time. But a combination of both of those things or, you know, that's constantly varied and it looks just like their sport, actually have them practice their sport, um, you know, in that, um, I, I think that yields itself to a good program. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, CrossFit does a, for the most part, does a pretty good job as far as that constantly varied aspect, assuming the programmer is changing up the movements all the time. But you, um, I like that you did mention the endurance athletes because right. so many of them don't uh, understand that they need to do the strengthening work and they think just the running or just the biking is going to do that strengthening for them. And uh, it just sets them up for injuries eventually. Yeah, no, I think that the research is all coming out now that, you know, one or two days of resistance training for those athletes have been huge with injury prevention, with increased performance, with longevity, by building that tolerance and, and, and all that stuff that they need in order to be really great athletes. Um, you know, I've seen numbers from somewhere between 7 to 10% increase, you know, if they were to just start a resistance training program a few weeks before um you know um be, uh, actually before their meet so just increased performance we're, i mean we're all chasing one percent i mean we're talking seven to ten percent increases on elite athletes college level athletes so imagine if we just take you know myself right and actually take me through an endurance regimen and then say okay two weeks before that marathon you have to run a two weeks before that 5k we're gonna slowly and incrementally add in that resistance training oh we're talking good to go but imagine if you did that constantly one or two days. Oh my goodness. You're talking about, I mean, it's rock star, rock star athlete, rock star. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had this perfect example. I had a client a while back. We, we took out two days of running, added in two days of strength training and he hit a seven minute PR, I believe it was on his half, his half marathon. So just that little bit. And it's like, you're literally taking out the running and you know, they're still making these gains. And so it just shows that you need that strength and you need that power in order to um, be a well-rounded athlete. Yeah, and then, you know, vice versa on the, the, uh, the, the power lifter or on the, the, I guess, the barbell athlete, you know, actually adding in that cardio component. And when they hear cardio, running, running. No, but actually doing interval training, actually being able to take those type 2 muscle fibers and shift them a little bit more towards intermediate area, if, like if we have to. Um, or essentially just kind of, you know, not differentiating between strength or, you know, endurance, uh, you know, sales, um, being able to actually have that intermediate because still a bit of a stronger, you know, longevity athlete. Now, all of a sudden, you can put down a barbell for a little bit, maybe have a, a, a recovery day that's on the same intensity level as maybe that barbell movement, but doesn't tax the nervous system as much as, you know, you're doing snatch practice for 10 hours. So it's, 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 it's actually pretty cool on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So let's talk about the the athlete who wants to go like programming aside, mm -hmm. constantly varied is awesome. But let's talk about the athlete who wants to go one hundred percent every single day that they're there. Mm -hmm. um, what is the reasoning behind not doing that? 
Yeah. Um, uh, the fact that you could just burn yourself out. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, from let's talk about from just like a scientific standpoint, from like the just inside your body. And I even talk about, you know, the stuff that's just going to happen if you do that, um, you know, from a physical side standpoint. But let's talk about like the nervous system. Right. Let's talk about like just taxing the nervous system to the point where it's just not able to recover. And people kind of think it's taboo, but I say pain is 100 percent from the brain or our nervous system, you know, is actually in charge of everything that we do. And really breaking down the science to him and saying, hey, look, you know, the reason why you're able to get strong in the gym initially was from that. The reason why you're not where you're plateauing is from that as well. You're not giving your body the time or the nutrition or the ability to rest, you know, especially your nervous system. People think fatigue and being tired just extrapolate out to muscles. Hey, I feel that, quote unquote, lactic acid building up. Hey, I feel myself being tired and not being able to run as hard as I want to. But sometimes it's a nervous system type thing. You didn't sleep long enough. You got all kinds of toxins and all the kind of nonsense that I like to eat that you don't necessarily like to eat in my body, right? And it doesn't yield itself to a complete nervous system rebuild or, you know, recovery. And then from a, you know, biological, physiological, actually what you see standpoint, I tell them all the time, man, look, we're going to do this thing for a long time. Why wreck your body at 20, 21, 22, 42, for whatever, we're going to live to 150. So it's like, hey, look, if you do want to go all in for that, you better control for these three things. You better control for your sleep. You better control your for your nutrition. You better control for your stress levels. If you don't do any of those three things, don't come in here 100%. And then even with that, you could touch on 85% every now and then. You can touch on maybe 75% every now and then and really have that be a longevity because you cannot heal or you cannot get stronger if you don't give your body that time to rest up. So from a nervous system standpoint or what you can't actually see standpoint is like, Hey, that has to rest and recover. And then from the actual physiological or like feeling a certain type of way, um, you know, actually being able to recover, actually being able to get that protein synthesis in there, use itself towards not, you know, doing a hundred percent, you go all in a hundred percent. You, you, you never build on top of that 350 back squat that you hit. That was your PR. You know what I'm saying? You're constantly continuing to push at it. But if you allow your body to rest up, Take a little break, you know, eat all the stuff you need to take, sleep enough hours, and then boom, you're all good to go. Now that 315 back squat can go to 300, 330 without you constantly, you know, running up. I, I told an athlete the other day when I was working out every day in high school, more or less, I got nowhere near the numbers that I get now. And I train four times a week, um, you know, and I even like, I'm talking, I'm not talking about like three hours, I'm talking about maybe an hour and a half. Um, so, you know, I'm hitting PRs constantly. I'm doing that kind of stuff. And I don't think I've gotten better. I've just given my body enough time to recover, take away some of the stress factors, try to eat the right things and then, you know, hammer it out. And the people that come to the gym five to five times a week, you know, I'll beat them on a normal wide. And they're like, how did you do that? You wasn't training. I'm like, look, man, I like, I'm good. I feel fresh. I'm, 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 I'm awesome. You know? So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, it, it kind of yields itself towards being good. I think people, you know, put, you know, they say, hey, look, if, if, if I go to the gym six times a week, then I must be six times better than the person that goes to the gym one time a week. And it's like, ah, I, w- I, w- I wish the numbers yielded itself like that, um, but not always, not always. From from a volume standpoint, um, for sure not. I'm glad you brought up the, the stress and the sleep side of yeah. things too because it's a forgotten aspect that when stress is high, sleep is low, um, we're already dealing with cortisol level issues throw exercise into it. We deal with even more cortisol issues. And so it's just a, it's something that people don't 
think about that one that affects their performance as much as it does. Um, but two that we're just wearing our bodies down even more when we're training under those conditions. Yeah, no, uh, that's, I mean, oh my gosh, I, that's the first few questions I asked somebody that when I'm first dealing with them, I say, Hey, how's your sleep? How's your nutrition? And then how's your, um, uh, your stress levels. And we know half my eval just kind of talk about that thing. And once we kind of rule out that it's not, you know, acute due to like some accident, once we kind of rule out some of the other things like, Hey, you know, like what happened or like what else was happening or like that biopsychosocial model that we hear about in our profession, like what else was happening around that time that all this stuff was, or was going on? Were you dealing with uh, an exam? Were you dealing with this? Um, I seen a post a couple of weeks ago to say, Hey, look, during your, your, your finals week, Maybe that's not your same week as your PR week either in your training goals. Maybe it should be two, probably two to three weeks before or maybe even a week or two afterwards because now it's like, ah, I'm good to go. School's over with. Finals are over with. I'm, summer vacation is coming up. Oh, I'm feeling awesome, right? And, like, you're still in that – you're still in training mode, but it's not like I'm highly stressed. So really being able to account for that um, is huge. Um, a few things I'm, ha- I'm having to come out and a few things that I do with the gyms uh, that's something that we're definitely looking at as well. So um, being able to account for all that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I can, I'm living proof of that. Last mm-hmm. six months of last year, it's like all my weights were down. Uh, my times were down. Everything was down. And then kind of January hit, stress levels decreased. And I'll like PR my snatch, my clean and jerk, my squats. Like everything's just been going up once all those stress levels went down. So just one of those things like training didn't change necessarily, yeah. but the, the, you know, the body did. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't want people to hear this thing. Oh my God. Like, Hey, I'm dealing with five things. I don't need to go to the gym. No, you can still go to the gym, but know why these things are, are not necessarily progressing or Hey, why you, you may have hit a plateau and just account for those things. Like obviously if you have kids or you have a job that kind of stress you out, or if you like you and I, and we got 15 projects going on, we're going to have some kind of constant level of stress, but you know, it's, it's the way that you view that stress and it's the way that you allow that stress to enact your training goal. Cause you know, that stress can lead to you know, bad eating habits, you know, stand up late at night, you know, realize that stress is like, okay, great. There's nothing I can do about it. Let me write it down. Let me do everything that's in my control and then account for the other two factors. Then all of a sudden that stress becomes, you know, okay. Or just become just another thing that we are just dealing with um, as part of our training um, kind of uh, cycle. So it's, it's it's all good. It's all good. Awesome. Yeah. Want to go back to the programming itself a little bit. As athletes and as coaches, if someone's programming and they aren't really varying a lot, if there's, if we are doing the same things every day according to the program, mm-hmm. what can we do at that point? Like, do we just do our own thing? Like, you know, what, what are your, what do you suggest on that? Yeah, so it really just depends, right? So you oftentimes see this with athletes that have been going to the gym for a while or who may have, you know, have a, a particular training goal or a passion like myself who, like, really lives in barbell, right? For a lot of these athletes, I say, hey, look, by following the gym programming, you're, you are kind of being able to, to, to ensure yourself that you're getting some type of work in there that, that's, that's, that's not biased, right? We are, we are all going to do the things we like doing. Now, from the standpoint of you saying, hey, look, I really want to, you know, program really well, or this, this gym has a bias, or, you know, maybe, you know, I, I want to do supplemental work. Then from that standpoint, I always say, hey, getting, still getting else, uh, getting with someone else and having them create that for you. Um, again, it will be easy for me to say after a really, you know, 
long cardio day. Oh man, I really just wanted to hit the barbell and really hit the barbell. Where like you can run into some troubles with that is that again, is programmed there for a reason. So if you're just an everyday athlete, like most of the people that we deal with, it takes that standpoint of saying, okay, look, you know, you are putting you know, double the volume on top of, you know, your, your stuff that you're already doing. So that may not lead itself to actually, you know, increase results. Um, but if you do know what you're doing, if you got with a coach, then the way that that could look like is say, hey, look, you know, on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays at the gym, we normally do X, Y, Z, barbell movement, right? I can supplement that with maybe like a recovery type of row or a recovery type of bike afterwards, maybe even do an interval style or maybe even like a long run or something like that. Some of the athletes, they come in and they just run a mile or so. None of that is too taxing on your body, especially if you kind of build up for it to the point where it, 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 it takes away from the actual programming. But from a standpoint of actually being able to say, okay, now I'm going to have supplemental work on top of the work that I'm already doing to think that I'm going to just, you know, all of a sudden get twice as better. It still doesn't quite lend itself to that. It's, it's kind of like that quality uh, over, I'm sorry, quantity over quality. If I'm doing two hours of training, again, I'm better than that person that does one hour training. If, if like that one hour, like the person that does that one hour training is hitting the necessary intensity levels, isn't hitting the necessary training goal. Oh my gosh, you're talking about, I mean, you're just wasting your time at that point, you're staying that extra hour because if you're decreasing your intensity level in order to, you know, do something else afterwards, it's just, it doesn't yield itself to a really great, so especially the way that CrossFit in this particular case is set up a strength or uh, a warm up, a strength and a wad. It's like, look, if the wad wanted you to go all out and you went 50% and then you stayed afterwards and did 50% optimal work or 75%, it's like, wait a minute, you just just kind of multiply that out. It's like, no, that doesn't quite uh, lead itself to to the actual training goals. And you, it's, maybe you'll get some results. I haven't seen it yet, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it, just haven't, it just haven't been successful um, in, in that standpoint. And, but that's why the intent, is going back to it um is 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 it's always important what i would say um just to kind of you know kind of go, go back into it what i would say is that if you are going to do that maybe doing some skill work skill acquisition work would be huge right that's easy that's low-hanging fruit right there hey after a wide or something hey look try the muscle ups like they had in 19.4 try a few of those practice those they got so many videos out right now how to get your first muscle up that'd be awesome right Hey, some people struggle with double under. Some people struggle with, you know, like, you know, like myself, the last little thing I, I got to get in CrossFit is hand, handstand walks. Thank goodness I never got to those in 19.3. <laughs> but it's like, it was, well, yeah, 19.3 or 2. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, from that standpoint, it's like, okay, great. After a while, you can add in some supplemental work that includes a skill acquisition. Super easy. You're already there at the gym. Knock it out. But as far as doing more volume, as far as getting – Another wide end with what didn't necessarily call for that. Uh, I don't think um, at, at 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 that point you, you have really good um, returns on your investment or return on your fitness, like I call it. Yeah, and that's typically where I suggest people like if they want to do more work, either work on the skills or just do accessory work, working on the the specific sure. strength stuff because um, that's always a good thing to do. You know, on whether you just want to do a recovery day and work on that stuff or. You know, every once in a while, we all go through those stages of maybe feeling overtrained or, mm -hmm. you know, just not motivated. And so those are kind of my days um, or days I should just like go have fun, like just go play around and be a kid. And 
Yeah. Um, a lot of times, like I'll work on gymnastics skills those days just because I'm like, it's just fun to play around and experiment with things. And you don't really have to stress yourself out about it. You just um, work on it and practice and kind of just go with it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's huge. Like getting back to play, getting back to not taking yourself too serious in the gym. Um, and and uh, I always go at the CrossFit because that's what we do. Um, you know, being able to just push that ego off to your side and saying, hey, look, you know what? I'm going to actually, you know, take this day off or you know, not push as hard or not worry about the training goal being X, Y, Z. And just like you said, just have fun, you know, just realize, hey, look, nothing's too serious. And that can also help decrease your your your, your stress levels. And then again, build up the longevity aspect of it, which is what I'm always pushing for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What does... Like, I know what overtraining is in my head as far as what it feels like, what it looks like. What do you describe overtraining as when you're talking with athletes or thinking about your own training? Yeah, so for me, I mean, we, like, we both have a book definition. We've both seen it before. But I, I honestly think it's, it's, it's from a standpoint of looking at athletes and saying, all right, when was the last time you actually felt like you were going to exceed your, um, I guess, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say capacity, but like not plateau or like not just at the same numbers, right? So I said, when last time you came to the gym and actually felt like you 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 felt good? Or uh, hey, when the last time you came here and say, look, look, y'all, I'm ready to hit this, you know, hit this PR. Hey, look, I was ready and excited for this. So I almost look at it from a biopsychosocial standpoint because, you know, unless I look at every athlete that I deal with training, training all the time, every single second, you know, with them every single second, it would be hard to actually say or tell this athlete is overtraining. Now, those, those that I coach, I can easily say, hey, look, you're not feeling it today. You either go home or, hey, let's do this. Let's modify a little bit. But for those athletes that I don't necessarily train all the time, I say, hey, when was the last time you felt like you were going to go to the gym and hit a PR or be successful or whatever? And then from that standpoint, we kind of break down through the, oh, I don't know. It's been months. It's been whatever. All these things started happening. Okay, great. Now we can actually look at some overuse type stuff. And then from a standpoint of it actually being a particular body part, hips, uh, low back, um, ankles or joints, uh, elbow, right? We've all heard of itis, this, and, you know, sprain this, whatever. Um, you know, from that standpoint, okay, you all can flip on the switch and say, yeah, it could be overused from that standpoint. But, you know, the overtrained and overworked athlete, I actually appreciate it from a, from a biopsychosocial standpoint, just asking that question. When was the last time you felt like you were going to hit a PR? Or last time you felt like you were good? And then if it's their body part, it's like, okay, great. Like, I understand you've been hammering out. Uh, I had this athlete that was hammering um, overhead squats, and she had just had meniscus surgery a couple months ago. We got everything calmed down, worked together. She seemed good in, like, acute chronic workload experience. Over, like, the two weeks after um, my probably about two-week span, she did, I think she did overhead squats every other day. So what are we talking, like, you know, six or seven times in, like, two-week span? I'm like, oh, boy. She texted me and was like, oh, my knee. And I was like, oh, you think? So we went over, like, just that overtraining or that overuse aspect of part of that. She felt good. She got her training goal and training volume back down to respectable. And then she, she won, the, she won the, the competition. But sometimes it just takes that to say, hey, look, you overdoing it and me saying, hey, look, is, is you training more in this particular thing is not going to make you feel better. You can get stronger in other aspects, too. And then you sure in the head can't do anything if you're hurt. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, like you, you, you are guaranteed to lose if you can't compete. <laughs> you are guaranteed to lose if you can't do your best. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah the, 
that mental side of things, I think is where the overtraining typically shows up more than anything. When you don't have the motivation to be there or just kind of feeling like you're almost forced to go just because it's what you do. Um, that's kind of where I tend to notice most of it happening. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, part of my eval, those are the first three questions that I ask is somewhere in the stress, somewhere in the nutrition, somewhere in the, um, the sleeping aspect of it, and then just kind of drive the conversation from there. So it actually is, uh, lends itself towards an easier conversation. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Yep. Let's go into the injured athlete a little bit and programming for the injured athlete. Um, I know we've gone into a lot of discussions on this in the past, just you and I have, but mm -hmm. when we're talking about an injured athlete and getting them back to activity, um, obviously there's a ton of different injuries that can happen. So it's hard to go into on this conversation on everything specifically, but as a general, let's talk about scaling, modifying um, for that injured athlete. Yeah, no, um, like you said, super, super hard to, 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 to really, you know, get into it unless like, you know, you, you know, some of the parameters, but let's just say we have just a general like lower extremity type type thing. Right. Um, you know, from that standpoint, you know, there's a couple of things that, that I do ask them, you know, obviously a movement based activity of the squat is a deadlift. Um, looking at those components of it, ask them what weight, you know, ask them, you know, what ways have they been able to modify it? Uh, and then basically just go from there. Um, as far as treating the injured athlete, there's so many different things, especially with CrossFit um, or with fitness athletes. I, I tell my uh, well, our contemporaries or our colleagues that, that treat, I guess, regular sports, right? I guess it's regular sports, right? Because there's a timeline, right? The person got injured. They were they hung out for a little bit. They, they started coming back. They tried practice. And then they went out and actually, like, did the sport. Ours isn't like that. Our thing is not like that. This person is literally still training at somewhat the same intensity level, somewhat, um, while we're seeing them, okay? So from that standpoint, that completely switches the game. Everything we learned in school from, you know, zero to two weeks, all those protocols we learned, just, I just tossed those out the windows. I don't know if they were that useful anyways. So that all make it goes out the window as far as when it comes to actually treating athletes. I still respect healing processes. I, I don't throw all that to the rain. It's something that I talk to my athletes about, especially if it is acute especially if there is something that just came up, I say, hey, look, we have to respect tissue healing. We have to respect the information process. This is how we're going to respect it. This is how we're going to change up things. This is how we're going to modify. I understand that deadlifting 300 pounds is something you want to do, but we're going to respect your low back tissue healing time. If it's fairly acute, let's give it one to two weeks, you know, and then from there, let's do half of that weight or whatever, or, you know, not even necessarily say a weight-based, but actually symptom-based. And that's where I base a lot of my rehab off of, too just based on what they want to do. So if it's fairly acute, hey, let's say symptoms, you know, if they rise above a, a two or three, right, you know, that gets into the sticky zone. Uh, and then if it's a kind of a chronic athlete, we could push yourself up five to six on like a pain scale, I guess you could say. And then we kind of just kind of hang out there and we modify from there. And then, you know, if it is a movement-based type thing, I like to kind of look at it and I keep telling people I'm going to create this checklist. Maybe it's already out there, right? You could do a couple of different ways for the injured athlete. You could go, you can go full blown. You can't do that anymore. Um, good luck having patience if you do that. Um, for all those out there listening, it probably won't happen. Um, but for the easiest way is that I kind of look at it from, you know, can we decrease the weight a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, and then it's check if that still doesn't quite fix things. Can we decrease the reps? Check right. So if you 
those 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 two things are completely related to volume, right? Literally, those things are volume reps, uh, sets, reps, and you know, weight, and so on and so forth. So it's like those. Are, so can we change the volume a little bit? Then I say, can we change uh, the the actual distance? So if it's deadlift or in you know some cases squat, um, can we squat to a box? Can we squat you know quarter squat for a little bit? So on and so forth to build that tolerance back up. And then, and then after that, I say, can we change the apparatus or the thing that we're using? Can we change the uh, barbell to a kettlebell? Can we change the, uh, the barbell to a dumbbell? Can we change the running to a rowing? And those are the kind of the ways I like to kind of you know, process that and look at that. It keeps the athlete in the gym. It gives them other options and allows them to be in control of the whole situation. Hey, look, I know running at 200 meters is spicy, but can you row for 400 meters or 500 meters? Sure can. Hey, rock that same intensity level. It's all cardiovascular training anyways, okay? One of them is just you pounding the pavement, and one of them is just you pulling out something. Your heart rate is going to spike up anyway. You're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. So now let's go and do that. And then as, you know, then all of a sudden there's a switch that happens, right? A lot of people, um, especially in the rehab side of things, they just keep the athlete somewhere too long. Okay, now all of a sudden, hey, look, the next week or the next time you see them, can we, um, you know, Hey, LA, let's, 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 let's bring things down to a hundred meter run and maybe a 250 meter, you know, bike or just kind of switch it up. Right. All in all, you're looking at their training goal. All in all, you're looking at their training volume. And that's where a little bit of that knowledge come in as well. You know, do you have to be a excellent coach or do you have to be the world's best programmer to do this? No, but you have to understand, Hey, what movements entail this? If they're doing, you know, a heavy back squat, deadlift, um, you know, a single leg, you know, carries, all this kind of stuff. You're like, whoo, okay, here, let's kind of see how we're going to play this out. Right? Especially if the things that kind of complement each other, um, you're not always creating these programs for people. Now you're, you, you know, you can reach out to the, the coaches and all this stuff and say, hey, this is what our training goal is going to be for this injured athlete here. And then every, for everybody else, they can just rock and roll through there. Um, and, 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 and for those that are perpetually hurt or for those that are trying to continue to have stuff nagging them, then we just kind of just do a reset button and actually say, okay, great. Are we actually treating the right thing and then go from there? So it's, it's, it's a little different. Like I said, I envy our colleagues. They get to have that, that segmental, all right, Hey, this is when you do this. This is when you do this. This is when you do this. Or they have little scores and uh, scores and screens that they can do to uh, check this. Look, man, I got to get somebody better. Cause they got to go to class in like an hour. So, you know, it's, it, it all lends itself towards that. So it's, it's, it's a very unique experience. I appreciate it. And uh, it's actually pretty cool to see. Yeah, definitely. And I think the biggest thing to point out there is you can still get an amazing workout in and avoid the pain. Because so many athletes, um, I see my CrossFitters, I see it in my runners, just want to continue training through the pain. And there's so many different things we can do in order to modify and or scale in order to avoid that pain and still get that same intensity of a workout. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think addressing that and, and, and allowing them to let, just give them the permission to say that that's okay if they don't have to do that. And it's like, you'd be surprised. Like, Oh my, I have an option. Oh my gosh. Like, Oh, I don't have to do that. And then for so many people, right, especially in this sport, and I'll continue to go back to it, you know, they, they look up at the board or they're trying to compare themselves to somebody else. I say, hey, look, run your own race. Like, run your own race. You're dealing with this thing. And, again, I bring it back to a longevity standpoint. I ask every single one. Now, I already ha- I'm already pervy to this information. But I ask every single one of my athletes, because once we talk about the volume, once we talk about this part, their eyes, you can see their eyes kind of like, I'm never going to be able to do CrossFit again. Or like, hey, look, I'm never going to. And it's like, 
then I kind of step in and say, hey, look, how old are you? And they all, their eyes all light up, especially, especially the young ladies, right? How old are you? Although I'm privy to this information, Rian. Uh, they all look, I'm, I'm 20, I'm 47, I'm 80, who cares? And, they, and I say, okay, great. I don't know about you, um, but I plan on living to 150, right? Why not continue to do this until you're 150? And once you kind of break it down and say that, you can almost like they're ready to get started right then and there because you know we're not we're not they're thinking about today i'm talking about longevity right so hey this injury is temporary it can become chronic if you don't take care of it Mm -hmm. it can become chronic or lead itself to you stopping this if you don't take care of it so you kind of reframe that from a biopsychosocial or mental standpoint it unlocks that ability to be able to get that and that's where the results come from having that buy-in from that athlete because you could be the best clinician in the world dealing with injured athletes but if you tell them look you can't do that i mean good good luck they'll never come back to see you again and i I, unfortunately i've gotten a lot of my clients and patients through people telling them that they shouldn't do this or that and they want an alternative to to, to people saying that so that's the first thing i tell them you can't do that so yeah exactly um and like just give a good example we had an athlete at our gym um had a hand surgery. So she was unable to use one hand for a while. And, but it's like, instead of regular snatches, she would do kettlebell snatches. Um, she did front squats with dumbbells, front rack position. So it's like, just because one arm is, you know, you can't use an arm or, you know, something like that doesn't mean you can't do still the same exact movement. You're just changing that apparatus. Like you said. Yeah, no. And, and just to touch into it a little bit, something else I was thinking about, Whenever we're thinking about topics and stuff, the way that I've been able to kind of implement this, 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 this strategy or this, I, I almost treat it like a public health type type strategy, uh, planning and goals and execution with all the gyms that I'm a part of to essentially say, hey, look, this is how we're going to build that longevity. This is how we're going to be able to 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 say we're not going to miss any athletes. And there's a few different components or ways that we kind of do this that is, I think is pretty cool pretty unique in that we look at it from a, a primary prevention standpoint, a secondary prevention standpoint, like a tertiary prevention standpoint, which you might be like, wait a minute, what? So anyone who's ever taken these silly little uh, public health class, I think an undergrad, it, it, these are, you know, like if you're just kind of reading through your books and, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Or if you work in a hospital like you and I don't do, they always talk about primary, secondary, and tertiary, right? And that's kind of the way that when I was writing out these plans, that's the way I wrote them. And now that's the way I think of it in my head, like our primary, our primary, don't forget our primary, right? So from a primary standpoint, right, we look at volume, we look at, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in all the coaches meetings, you know, uh, us as clinicians, you know, being able to say, hey, look, let's think back to our training goals. Let's think about why. And let's actually try to prevent not even, the best that we can, the risk of injury by essentially addressing the volume or eventually train, uh, uh, um, addressing the training from, from day one. And then from a standpoint of screening standpoint, right, every athlete's getting a screen, every athlete, new athlete, old athlete, that's actually been able to put them through something to say, this is how we're going to help pre- prevent the risk. Oh, you're already dealing with shoulder stuff? The chances of you hitting your PR immediately is probably low, but you're going to push, push, push anyway, and that shoulder that shoulders, uh, is, is just going to get worse, 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 uh, you know, from that standpoint, because you're going to push, because you should push, but we're pushing you, but it's, it's just like, wow, whatever. From second, from secondary standpoint, right? Actually, being able to have that clinician or being able to have those resources available for those people. So we screened you. We looked at we looked at tr- uh, volume. Now, all of a sudden, from a uh, clinical standpoint, 
you know, I'm there. Um, you know, we have a chiropractor on our team. We have massage therapists on our team. So now all of a sudden we're actually looking at it and doing something about that screening or doing something about what we've seen um, from that standpoint, addressing those issues before they become so chronic or you have to quit. Like so there's been some people that just literally stop, stop CrossFit because that prevent that preventive side of they already were dealing with something, they got into the classes, they gone through on ramp, they did awesome. And then as soon as they start loading it up a little bit more, they just never were able to manage that really well. And then from the back end standpoint, being able to have, you know, um, you know, subsequent programs, being able to have, you know, recovery type days, being able to have um, all this different stuff that allows the athlete to say, okay, you know, you know, somebody knows about my shoulder pain, check. Someone's doing something about my shoulder pain, check. And then from a coach's standpoint, someone is going to help cue and coach me to deal with this stuff as I'm going through it. Oh my God, Brianne, we're talking about, we're talking about the works right there. Now all of a sudden we have, we built longevity in these systems and now all of a sudden we're pushing and driving them forward to essentially healthier and stronger athletes that are able to do this for a long time. Cause you can be strong and healthy for a little bit, but you know, if you don't manage it really well, also we're, 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 we are having some trouble there. So it's pretty, pretty cool process. And I'm glad to be, be, be driving it. Um, well, I guess in the car, um, I don't know if I'm driving it, but in the car while 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 while, uh, while it's happening, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Good deal. All right, just to finish up here, any final thoughts that we haven't talked about that you feel are super important to get out? Uh, uh just I mean, just a couple. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, just uh, just one. Um, you know, obviously, when it comes to training goals our way to come to training volume, super passionate of mine. A lot of people, you know, like, okay, great, great, great. You know, I create this program. I've created all these various exercises to them. I've gotten really awesome, like stuff that I have or brochures or, you know, really awesome water that I came up with that has different stuff and people high five each other. They really liked it. But how does that wad or how does that moment connect with the other parts around it? Now, again, I'm not saying you got to plan out eight years worth of programming because stuff happens weather changes your athletes change you know you might got an influx of newer athletes so on and so forth so you know being really really being able to kind of be fluid in it but also to try to connect the things that are around you again we can create really awesome wands but if they just continue to beat 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 our 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 patients and our clients down it doesn't quite yield itself to what we really want which is longevity and people coming back to the gym constantly my number one goal and i tell everyone this is to keep people in the gym can't do that if they're hurry. Can't do that if the volume's too high. And I don't care what nobody say. Believe it or not, um, if you look at games athletes, this might sound crazy. They train just like eighty around eighty percent all year long, until like the games or regionals or something. Like yes, these are essentially athletes. These, for one, let's take a step back. And this is my last little point. For one, these are athletes. Okay, they were genetically predisposed to be super fit. Anyways, okay, their chosen sport is crossfit. Their chosen sport is barbell. Their chosen sport is this, right? Just because they're not catching the football doesn't mean that they're not like athletes. So that's number one. And then all of a sudden they train. If if they can train at 80 to 85 percent, so can we too. So from an athlete standpoint, that's what we're talking about. And then from a clinical standpoint, actually being able to to look at programming, actually being able to understand volumes and reps and, and sets and stuff and how that constituting it is important to your client or you're important to your um your patient um and then have that step through process of do we decrease weight do we decrease reps do we decrease 
you know, the, the, the time under load, do we increase it? Right. You could, you could kick somebody, butt with a, a tempo work at 30%. I mean, do we increase the, 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 the hold at the bottom? So those are different things that you want to account for. So super passionate about this. And uh, I just want to thank you for, uh, for having me on here. Of course. So where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or kind of learn more about your, or get more information from you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no. Um, on IG, Dr. Dimer, Dimer DPT. I changed it up. Uh, so, D, so Dr. D Y M I R E DPT. Um, on IG, on Facebook, just Dimer Jones. Um, on Twitter now, I have no idea what my handle is on there because I just got back on Twitter. Um, email, you know, Dimer Jones DPT at gmail dot com. Uh, and yeah, let, let's just talk shop. I'm I'm always available to talk shop about training stuff. I, I treat, coach, and train at the same, at just gyms. So it's actually pretty fun to be able to do that. Um, I appreciate the coaching aspect of it. I appreciate the being an athlete and I appreciate being able to help people whenever they need the help from a, a clinician. So uh, pretty cool stuff. So if you ever want to talk shop, definitely reach out to me. Awesome. Well, thank you, Daimir, for joining me. I'm so excited to be able to talk about this with you and uh, I'm sure my the listeners will be thrilled as well. Oh, for sure. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.